is the Conrad Alert. Civil defense information will be broadcast at 640. West of the Rockies, you're on the air. Hello. Y2K, how can we prepare? Stop a few of their machines and radios. Throw them into darkness for a few hours. We are fighting for our lives. My family must survive. Boom for five years. Thousand gallons of gas. Air filtration, water filtration. Coming at you from the frozen tundra that is East Central Alberta, Canada. Streaming live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, Rumble, and Odyssey. Welcome back to the workshop where we create community, find freedom, promote preparedness, and share success. I am Toolman Tim. Today is January the 4th, 2024, and this is episode 413 of Workshop Radio. How are all my fellow delinquents out there? I hope you had a great holiday break. I know I did. We did a little bit in between, but it was just a great time all around. We're going to launch this evening with one of my favorite segments. We're, of course, we're back with This Week in Prepping, and we start out with I Shit You Not, and that is the history or the story behind common prepping phrases, vernacular terms that we use, that sort of thing. In this one, this week is a really good one. This is a quote by JFK himself. The time to repair the roof is when the sun is shining. I love that quote. I'd heard it or some variations over the years. And it absolutely makes sense. So where did this come from? I love digging into them because quite often you'll see these memes all across Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And you'd be like, did that person really say that? Well, in this instance, old JFK really did. And this was his address to the American people, the State of the Nation address uh, in 1962. After about a year about a year after the United States had emerged from a fairly significant downturn in the economy. And the actual quote was, Moreover, as pleasant as it may be to bask in the warmth of recovery, let us not forget that we have suffered three recessions in the last seven years. The time to repair the roof is when the sun is. Kennedy was talking about spending money now, investing in programs that he saw long-term benefit in when the and when and if the hard times came again. Now, whether you agree with Kennedy on his politics or not, the sentiment is where it is. Kennedy was talking about the need to do the hard thing when times aren't hard, if that makes sense. Because, of course, just before I went live, I saw some footage, I think it was bare, of Bear Independent posted of this rogue wave in California. Great example of that. <laughs> you wouldn't want to be trying to learn cardio, trying to outrun a wave at that exact moment. When do you want to do that? When the sun's shining. When do you want to put a roof on your garage? On a nice, beautiful Christmas Eve day, speaking from experience. You want to have this stuff taken care of, do the hard thing, because here's the thing. When I was putting this together today, I got thinking about it. You have to do the hard thing, whether you do it now, when the sun's out, or in a really shitty day. And that's what preps are like. You have to put the food beside now, or 
you're going to be hungry down the road, or it's going to be a hell of a lot harder. You got to put money aside now or down the road when retirement comes along, it's going to be way harder. You always have to do the thing. It's just you grabbing the bull by the horns and choosing to do it now, as opposed to down the road. I love this quote. I thought you guys would too. I hope you enjoyed starting off just with that. And I got a shout out to Ellen, who, who is all the way across the pond, across the world. Anyway, I don't know. Over in Australia. Great to see you. I see Garden Girl 84 in here. Jeremy, one step closer. We've got Dan DeColo. And I know I just butchered his last name, but it's great to see everybody back after the new year. Great to see you. So let's start out with the precious metals report. And this isn't going to be, I'm not going to be a geek about precious metals as much as I love silver and gold. Uh, you know, I'll take either if you're sending them my way, but you know, we try to stack precious metals the best we can as preppers. We hear about the need to have some on hand, but for me, there's lots of people out there doing technical dives. So once in a while, I'm going to, if I find an interesting story, I'm going to share it with you. So let's bring this guy up here. I don't know if you guys heard about this or not, but Costco is now selling gold. And I priced it earlier this week, and there wasn't any in stock when I looked, but it was around, I believe it was, a hundred, I can't remember if it was $10 or $100 an ounce cheaper than, anyway, no matter which way it was, it was a little bit cheaper than all the other places. And I have some places I buy in Canada that are fairly cheap. So I thought this was kind of cool. Of course, you know, the news always takes its spin on it. And I read three or four articles about this and I thought, you know, <laughs> it would be nice if they sold silver as well. But if you're already a Costco person and you're looking for the absolute cheapest price on an ounce of gold, if that is in your budget, it doesn't have to be, and I'm not telling you to go get it, but if you are in that position, it seems like right now Costco is the place to go. And they said uh, many, many people buy gold as a hedge against inflation, which we've heard. And it said that Costco sold around $100 million in gold bars in the most recent quarter they've reported on, which was kind of neat. Uh, somebody here said the bar is tiny and cute. It's a nice little gift. I got it for my partner's birthday and Christmas. Would be nicer if the price was a little bit better, said one review. Oh, they have 10 gram bars as well. Well, you're not going to get the price any better than what Costco's selling it for, but you know, it's kind of cool. I found another article earlier. It was just a gentleman who was setting it aside because he was slightly worried about an economic collapse. And so there you are. I just for the hell of it earlier yesterday, I went on Amazon to see, Hey, do they sell silver on Amazon? Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> there were silver ounces for about twice the twice, you know, two times spot, which was absolutely horrible. And there was a lot of shady dealers on there. And so it was one of those things that I don't think I would trust getting it on Amazon. I do buy silver off eBay. I like eBay system because people have to, you know, you go back in and they, they really push you to leave a good review. And so I only buy from reputable dealers and people who have a really large amount of positive feedback. But like I said, if you're going, where else in the world can you get yourself a barbecue, a five-gallon tub of Miracle Whip or mayonnaise, a electric bike, and an ounce of gold all at the same time? There you are. Anyway, <laughs> I thought this was cool. I loved, uh, I loved seeing it. I always love hearing about mainstream places starting to sell 
gold. And yeah, Costco, crazy. Anyway, so I got a question from the audience that I'm going to throw in here for just a minute. <laughs> I had I had plans to show you this later on anyway. If you guys know my good buddy, John Willis from Special Operations Equipment, for whatever reason, he sends me his shirts every month. Whenever they get a new shirt out, I get one in the mail. I get this little red and white and blue package that is, you know, US Post or whatever. And every time I get one, it just makes me smile. And I don't thank John often enough for this. John, actually, it's Amanda that sends them, but I don't thank them often enough. I need to start doing that more just so you guys see it. But uh, Jeff Stark wanted to see what does my shirt say. I almost didn't wear this one tonight because I wanted to show you the back as well, but I'm not going to try to stand up and get on camera. And yeah, yeah. Anyway, but here it is. Stop believing in government. And then on the back of the shirt, it says the tooth fairy, the Easter bunny, Santa Claus have done more for you than the government. I love the stuff that special operations equipment puts out. I've got what, three over-the-shoulder tactical carrying bags, or as Becky would love to say, my man purse or my Merce or whatever. I've got a wallet that will last me forever. John sells great stuff. Is this a commercial for him? Sure, whatever. I, I love his stuff. He sends me wonderful shirts, and Jeff wanted to see it. So if you're in the audio, you didn't get to see it, but you can pick them up at Special Operations Equipment. And we got someone else in the audience tonight, Off Grid Ping, who is trying out for the Homestead Apprentice. Everybody give him some support as well. This is going to be a big thing that they're doing at Special Operations Equipment. So I hope everybody, like I said, has had a great week. I see uh, Carrie Brown in here, Strong Roots Resources, just did his first test live stream. So we're going to be supporting him as a uh, fellow delinquent as well. So let's dive into our next segment, and that is Stranger Than Fiction. And that is where we look at the news stories. I okay, let's go back here just a little bit. I don't ever want this to be totally a news show, but I've talked about it in the past, and there are news stories that people want to talk about. So I try to pick up the things that are the most pertinent to preppers and kind of go kind of gloss over the top and hit the high points for you. But Stranger Than Fiction, this is where we talk about the odd news stories that, you know, anyway. So let me paint you a picture here for those in the audio world or those who might be getting shit done and multitasking at the same time. But there's a photo right here from the Toronto Sun that looks like the Wicked Witch of the West. You remember when she gets water thrown on her by Dorothy and all that's left is a pair of shoes with steam coming out of them? Well, Almost the same scenario. Not quite, but pretty close. Burlington man suffers burns after Amazon insoles catch fire. I shit you not. <laughs> Literally stranger than fiction. <clears throat> so I read two or three versions of this story, but the way it goes, the dude was walking into his work one day and his insoles weren't even on. I didn't even know that battery, uh, backup, I didn't actually know that battery powered insoles were a thing. Would love to have had them in the oil patch when I worked there. I've seen, you know, battery, <laughs> battery powered jackets and all those things, but I hadn't seen insoles yet. So dude's walking into work and he says, you know, all of a sudden I felt like my feet were a little bit warm. And one of his coworkers starts saying, hey, dude, you, <laughs> you got smoke coming out of your shoe. Now they intentionally didn't talk about the brand name. I did some digging. And it looks like the brand may have been taking off of Amazon. I checked both Amazon.ca and .com. And the brand looks like C-O-O-W-A-L-I. 
Kuwali. Probably another one of those made-up Amazon brands. Somebody's going to say, Tim, you're an idiot. They've been around for a thousand years. I don't know. Anyway, they had lithium-ion batteries in them. They weren't turned on. They weren't activated. Dude's walking along all of a sudden. And he got pretty nasty burns on his feet. He said, since I'm an outdoors, since I'm outdoors a considerable amount of time in the winter, my toes and fingers are the first to freeze up when working outdoor. Sure, I get it. <laughs> One, we, we got uh, something from the peanut gallery here. No, sounds like a Team U product. Yes, it does sound like a Team U product. Absolutely. The dude said, I, I didn't know what was going on, but my foot really started to heat up. He was able to kick the boot off as smoke billowed out of it. I see my socks on fire and I shouldn't laugh. Oh my goodness, guys, I really shouldn't, but I'm going to. So I tried to smack my foot off or tried to smack my sock off, but it was stuck to my foot. Now this is where, yeah, anyway, I, I guess number one, not we're not going to pay attention every day to the kind of fabric we wear. But I would say that if I was wearing a battery powered device in my feet, I might give some thought to what I'm wearing. I don't know. Anyway, he said, I added, I saw the skin was peeled back and charred but I didn't feel anything. I think it was adrenaline. Didn't feel anything. It was probably, is it third degree burns where it actually burns the, the nerves? And he said, uh, a colleague who witnessed the incident advised him to cover his mouth because the smoke coming from the boot had a very toxic smell. Said the scariest thing about the incident was the battery in the sole wasn't even engaged, wasn't on. He reached out to Amazon while in the hospital to explain what happened. I explained I was in the urgent care and, uh, but, Amazon had yet to get back to him. I know. Anyway, where do, what's the lesson in this? Well, I, I don't know <laughs> per se. Number one, I buy a shit ton off Amazon. I know you guys do too. Traditionally, one of the things that we can do to mitigate risks like this is to stick with brand names. The problem is, as you've seen in the past, and look, we have Homestead Medical live this evening. Hey, Chuck, great to see you, brother. Funny, we're talking about a first aid situation just at the moment. But yeah, so this dude buys a knockoff, what looks like a knockoff heated insole. And like I said, I would start by saying, look for a reputable brand. I would say, spend your money. I would say, do your research. I would say, don't buy a brand new product. Make sure it's something that's been there for a while and just pay attention to it. Uh, you know, battery's been the way we're going. We're going to continue to work with battery powered devices, but holy cow, uh, if, I, if I was walking in and all of a sudden looked like, you know, the Wicked Witch of the West and I was, well, I guess I wasn't melting, but my shoes were literally on fire. I mean, Becky says my shoes are on fire sometimes anyway, but that's just the smell of being on fire, but I'm bump. But yeah, I would just be careful. And uh, off grid ping says, man, now I don't know if I want to try my heated socks. <laughs> well, I would just say, don't go for a swim in them. That's all. But yeah, just, just bad. And garden girl says that's horrible. I have a heated vest and gloves, but hubby bought from a reputable brand. I hope they don't light up. And I don't want these stories to scare us or, you know, completely tear us away from doing this. It's just pay attention. I, you remember a few years ago when the electric, it was the electric scooters that were catching on fire all the time. There's some really gnarly footage of people in not high rise, but apartment buildings. They would bring them up so that, you know, crackheads wouldn't steal their scooters and they would just go and black smoke everywhere. And here's the other thing about these batteries. 
and uh, Sean Mills would know this as well, but super toxic, at least the way they are right now. So you get a nasty fire that's hard to put out. You have off-gassing and nastiness that's not healthy for you. And then you also have the possibility of burn. So just something to be aware of. I hadn't heard of it. Thought I would share the story with you. All right. Our next segment in or our next story in uh, Stranger Than Fiction. This is a good one here. This is uh, something I agree with. And it's pretty rare that I agree with the CBC. And if you don't know who the CBC is, it doesn't. Anyway, they're just reporting the news at this point. But they are the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation in Canada. They're basically in bed with the government, paid for, funded by the government, blah, blah, blah. There you go. So this story is loss of cooking still skills has hurt our ability to adapt to rising food prices, experts say. While not a solution to food insecurity, cooking skills can help mitigate the impact of rising costs. And this is something I was listening to. If you guys happen to catch it this week, uh, Nicole does the Tuesday Live. And they... It was her, Jack, and John, and Jack was talking about mitigating a lot of these high prices that are, you know, around the corner or we've already seen. And he was talking about cutting up beef yourself, learning those skills. And all of these are primary skills that at least this generation, which generation are we talking? I don't know. I would say Gen Z's. And, and this is completely up to us Gen Xers who didn't necessarily look after teaching some of these skills. And I didn't take it upon myself to learn them until I was well into my 20s. But this is what we talk about sometimes in an imaginary metaphorical collapse. Folks who don't have these hard skills are going to be in a really hard way. And even if you don't ever, you know, what's the old saying, if times get tough? Well, this is what tough times are when you can barely afford and you need to figure out a way to cut back and you can't turn your heat off. So guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy bulk ingredients or base ingredients and I'm going to try to cook myself. But you know what? A lot of people are in a position where they don't even know how to do that. So off to YouTube University they go. One step closer says keep physical cookbooks. I agree completely. And we're going to go back here in a minute and talk about some of these batteries. I got a lot of good comments about those as well. So uh, skyrocketing prices have taken a big bite out of Canadians. They said um, we're less able to cook than we were 30 or 40 years ago. And it's so much more difficult for us to adapt our diet. I'm not really sure what the, why they say that. But of course, no amount of cooking prowess will help us uh, if we can't afford a basket of groceries. Right. But it will help mitigate some of the costs if you go back to cooking from scratch also cooking from scratch and i'm you know you know the old thing when you point your finger out and you get three pointing back this is what i'm doing here but cooking from scratch is almost always healthier for you than buying pre-made food and i don't know if anybody has eaten out recently but the absolute insane prices that fast food places want is just blows me out of the water and then, you know, Becky and I, for a long time, we would go to hotels and we would order, skip the dishes up here in Canada, just because it's convenient. I, I don't know how we got suckered in to doing this whole skip the dishes, Uber Eats thing, but the prices are high. Then you add a delivery fee on top of it. Here I go on a tangent. And then you add the inflated prices that you get. So you're paying way more for a product that takes you three times as long to get. And when it gets there, it's lukewarm at best. And they probably substituted something you wanted. 
They forgot one straw and they gave you a knife and a fork, but no spoon, that kind of stuff. It's just a miserable experience. So I'm done. I, I digress. So during the pandemic, Canadians did a lot more cooking at home, making meals themselves when they couldn't dine out at restaurants or pick up food, uh, pick up food court meals at home or at work. But the question is, did they cook the variety of things they might have? I don't know. And uh, <laughs> got to shout out to my buddy, David. Uh, David, by the way, David and I, David and his, uh, David and Mary, we're going to be in Tennessee at the same time or down south at the same time. So we need to actually meet up in person, brother. We'll get there. Home economics optional for students. Uh, this expert, of course, that they interviewed said the decline in cooking skills has a number of origins. One of them is changes to school curriculum. When I was a high school student, every high school student was required to take two courses in basic cooking. That doesn't happen now. Now, I'm going to back up. I started junior high in 1993, right? So, yeah, anyway, so that'll date you right there. Date me. We... It, you had to take some sort of shop class, whether it was woods and metals or cooking and sewing. You weren't forced to take both. I chose to take cooking and sewing. I was miserable at sewing, but I learned it. But I was really good at eating the food I cooked. So it half the probably half the students learned cooking and sewing when I was in school. So, but there were hard skills there. And I think this kind of stuff is coming back. The problem is, is that a lot of the schools, when they build new, don't necessarily put an area for shop like the new Catholic school here in town. They didn't build room for a shop class. So there is that. So some schools have excellent culinary programs, but they're optional. And that's a big impact on cooking skills. I, I want to back up just a little bit here because I don't want to put the, you know, number one, the government school system is in shambles to begin with. They have to do their best to teach kids what they're supposed to teach. I don't want to throw a whole bunch of more shit on top of them. Honestly, cooking skills go back to not learning from home. If you're not teaching your kids, then you're probably a mess. Charlotte was bragging the other day to her boyfriend about how she knew how to bake bread from scratch. He came over the other day and I was really proud. She's like, hey, we're going to bake brownies. Loved it. Made me smile. I just, and I forgot that... She knew how to do that because we've done this. We don't do it all the time either. You know, we might bake three, four, six times a year, but they have the skills. Alice is going to be, I think, a chef myself. The thing loves to mix and match, loves oriental food. We're going to actually do some videos on that coming up, but there you go. So anyway, this again goes back to a few things, but I would say number one, people getting used to convenience. Number two, the schools not teaching the hard skills, but number three, most importantly, us as parents, as our generation failing to teach the, the kids. And again, this, but there's no excuse. Once you're an adult, if you want to know this stuff, it's out there to learn. I wanted to learn how to can, well, originally mustard pickles and strawberry jam. Guess what I did? I crawled my ass into mom and dad's old dirt floor basement. I hauled out the mason jars with dirt cobwebs and whatever else in them. And I said to my grandmother, I said, Nan, can you teach me? And she did. Because as a kid, if you don't show interest in something, your parents might not necessarily show you. As you get older, sure. So take it upon yourself and we'll encourage them. And I'm hugely optimistic about Generation Z. I guess that's what, I don't know what they are, whatever the latest generation is. I think they're entrepreneurial minded and I'm hoping because they've grown up, you know, the old hard times breed 
strong men or whatever. I, I think that the fact that the economy shifted a bit and things are really, really hard on them. We love to rattle their chain a bit. Hopefully they learn how to, uh, you know, be a little more resilient because of it. Let's leave it at that. So yeah, anyway, cooking skills have gone. Loss of cooking skills has hurt our ability to adapt to rising food prices. I don't disagree with that. I may not agree with all the aspects of the article, but I definitely think it is. Let's uh, check out the audience here, the community, and see what we got here. Garden Girl says, some of my best memories are canning with my dad. Oh, that's all. I love that. And, I, you know, it, it wasn't something my parents did because they were they were the tail end of the baby boomers and they were busy kind of working and they just, you know, they were, I wouldn't say upper middle class, but they just didn't have any interest in it, but they'd all grown up doing it. So they knew it and had some of the um, material there. Strong Roots Resources said, my home ec teacher in 99 taught us how to have a proper English tea in Knoxville, Tennessee. I'm sure we did other things, but that's all I recall. I remember learning how to roast pumpkin seeds, which was the weirdest thing. And I've, I did that in like grade six and I, I do it about once every three years since. And I'm like, you know, maybe I'll like them this time. And I don't, but it's a cool little skill to have. Homestead Medical says society is teaching our kids to be pussies. They need to be taught real life skills that will set them up for success. And I agree completely. Nothing wrong there whatsoever. Um, and Byron says, I grew up canning with my granny and my mom. Love it. Yeah, that was the way things were done. And hopefully we can at least, you know what, whatever else happens to everyone else out there, the least we can do is do our part to impart these skills to the next generation. That's all I can say about that. Let's pop back real quick. I wanted to, I have some really good comments here on the uh, battery issues, but uh, Strong Root says, I've got USB heated insoles for long rides in the Jeep that has no heat. They're marginally warm. Oh man, not having any heat in Canada. Oh boy, that would be bad. Of course, Carrie's down in Tennessee where it doesn't get nearly as cold, but it would still be chilly. Chicken Hawk says, all the vape things. It was a really small percentage when they go, millions of these were sold though. Absolutely. And it was mostly the news grabbing a halt and saying, guess what? Big story, make a you know mountain out of a molehill, but there you go. And uh, Garden Girl says, I think it was the hoverboards that were catching fire too. It was, I think, because I remember, I think our girls got them for Easter one year. They were all the rage. There was hoverboards, there was scooters, there was vapes. I think maybe it was the earlier generation of those compact lithium ion batteries. I'm not sure. All right, so next story in the... Stranger Than Fiction lineup. And this one was the earthquake in Japan. I don't know if you guys caught that or not, but like I said, just before going live, I saw some footage and it may have happened a day or two ago, but I hadn't heard about it. Was that rogue wave or whatever you want to call it in California. It was scary. Dude, dude who videoed it did an incredible job, but uh, people were running for what they thought was their lives. And of course, right back to where I grew up in Nova Scotia, people would go to Peggy's Cove, which was a beautiful lighthouse, and they would go down on the rocks that were way too slippery. They would go by the signs that said, don't step on the slippery rocks. And invariably, every year, somebody would disappear into the abyss. These waves were incredibly large, and I get it. As a teenager, I used to do it too. People were right there, lollygagging, looking at it, and all of a sudden, this wave just comes up and over, and people start running for their life. 
you wouldn't want to be learning cardio then, I guess, right? So here we are. How devastating was Monday's earthquake in Japan? It was, uh, yeah, interesting to see. But uh, for those on the audio only, you can see a picture here. It looks like an entire apartment building that's either on a slight 45 or is completely tipped over on its side. But the earthquake was a 7.6 uh, magnitude. It hit in the Noda Peninsula and says Japan is particularly prone to earthquakes because four of the Earth's tectonic plates meet in the country. Didn't know that. And it goes on to say that the 2011 earthquake slash tsunami killed 20,000 people, $220 billion. But it was a 7.6. It uh, went off at 7 a.m. Monday, and it was largest. It says earthquakes measuring between 7 and 7.9 are considered major. So this was a major earthquake. This was something that would wake people up that was dangerous. Just one of those things. I like covering these stories because, you know, I've never experienced an earthquake. I think I would probably shit my pants and, you know, curl up in the fetal position if I was involved in one. Every so often in Nova Scotia, you'd hear about a little tremor that people would feel a few miles away. And once in a while, it's the same out here. I've never experienced one, but I like sharing these stories because, you know, there's lots of folks who do live where there's fault lines and that sort of thing. It said uh, almost 100,000 people were evacuated. They spent nights in sports halls, school gymnasiums, and evacuation centers. Again, one of those things, having a good grab-and-go bag, always important. Uh, Becky and I just spent two nights, supposed to be one night, turned to be two nights unexpectedly in um, Lloyd, about an hour and a half away from here because we were working on the daycare. And I realized... I had some deficiencies in my grab and go bag that I thought were stacked up great. So that bag is going to be sitting in my truck for the rest of the winter because we've been going to Lloyd and unexpectedly having to spend the night quite often. So anyway, that doesn't compare to what the folks went through in Japan, but having a good grab and go bag, always a good thing. Said within two hours of the major earthquake, the Japanese public broadcaster had urged people to flee to higher ground. There was a tsunami warning. There was a small wave about four feet high. Wasn't uh, wasn't super bad, but it still wasn't a good thing at all. It said there's been 155 earthquakes since the initial tremor. So a few things to think about. Well, the main thing is after the first one, there can be tremors for a long time afterwards. Uh, when you're near coastal regions, the concern, of course, becomes tsunamis. And we've seen footage of those that would be scary as hell. I don't know quite what um, what you would do necessarily in a tsunami like that. But I did look up, I thought, well, uh, one thing we could do, if there's anyone out there, is to share a few tips on what to do if you're caught in an earthquake. This wasn't necessarily something that I knew or had really researched a whole lot. So I thought, well, let's go to the quote unquote expert. But ready.gov had one here. And there's some really good tips, but basically make an emergency plan. You know what? A lot of these fall into every for everyone, and that's what's kind of cool. Make an emergency plan. Always have one for the things that you absolutely could run into. Simple as that. Protect your home. Now, if you live in an earthquake-prone area, secure heavy items in your home like bookcases, fridges, heaters, that kind of thing. Objects that hang on a wall. Uh, I wouldn't put, you know, the, the half-ton full iron 
you know, modern piece of art right above your bedstand. I don't think I would do that, you know, that kind of stuff. But uh, they also said, of course, and this is great advice, consider getting an earthquake insurance policy because standard homeowners insurance does not typically cover earthquake coverage. Good to know. Now, here's the thing. How do you stay safe? I wouldn't have known, so I wanted to bring this up. If you're in a car, pull over, stop, and set your parking brake. Simple as that. Stay in your car. Don't get out. Shut it off and move on from there. If you're in bed, this is the one that was kind of scary. Hadn't heard this before. If you're in bed, uh, turn around, face downward, and kiss your ass goodbye. No, sorry, just kidding. If you're in bed, turn face down, cover your head and neck with a pillow. So again, okay, that's a good enough idea. If you're outdoors, stay outdoors, away from buildings. And if you're inside, stay inside. Don't run outside and avoid, and avoid doorways. Okay, there you go. It said protect yourself during earthquakes. Drop cover and hold on. So get under whatever you can. Simple as that. Um, I mean, whatever it is, what it is, but I, I think it would be scary as hell to be involved in one. Hopefully someday this little bit of advice will jump up and grab somebody and they'll think, Oh man, I better react. So, and what does that take? Three minutes to look over what to do in case of an earthquake. And it might be just enough to spur on somebody to uh, protect themselves during it. Carrie says, uh, your property consultant guy just realized your Tennessee property is near the new Madrid fault line. <laughs> there you go. Excuse me. Well, our property is near a fault line. So there's that. Garden Girl says, I experienced a, a five one time when hubby and I lived in LA. I was terrified. Only one glass broke. My husband left work to check on me because he knew I would freak. Cell service was jammed. You know, that's something I haven't experienced in a long time with phone lines being jammed. But I remember uh, in 2001 when 9-11 happened, being at college, the only thing, the, the, nobody had cell phones in 2001 where I was. And all we had was four, we had four landlines in the hallway that were to be shared amongst four dorm rooms. Now, we were okay to get on them. The problem was we couldn't get a phone call out. Every time I would call, it would say um, all lines engaged or something like that. Now, I'm sure the system's slightly more robust, but something like an earthquake could definitely take down or jam up the cell service. So trying to figure out other ways to communicate is always a great plan. Liberty Late Night says, I'm happy to be here in the Midwest where the air just hurts my face sometimes. Yes, brother. Same way here in the, the North Midwest. <laughs> Off-Grid Ping says, can't you just crawl under your desk? It works for uh, nukes, right? Yeah, duck and cover. If you guys remember anything from the, the 1940s and 1950s civil defense videos, duck and cover worked for everything. And all things, you know, we joke about it, but it absolutely would work if you're far enough away. Now, here's the deal. We always used to joke, you know, get under your little desk and, you know, sit and wait. But it would work if you were far enough away where there's a chance of survival, I guess. And Garden Girl says it was 15 years ago, so cell service, cell systems are better, I'm sure. They're probably better, but they're probably, you know, I'm sure we could still jam them up. Dave says texts often get through when slammed. Yes, they do. There's also the latest iPhones have low Earth orbit satellite messaging, which is kind of cool radios if you're just worried about getting in contact with your local family then you know maybe some of the better frs and gmrs radios uh nate's not in here tonight but i'm sure he would tell us what ham radio absolutely 
and uh, put a gear bag under the bed. Yeah. I mean, my ass ain't fitting underneath the bed uh, in our bedroom, but we do have a ton of storage under there. And that's where a grab and go bag goes. The big one. It's right there on my side. I can just say, grab it and go. And Liberty Late Night, you are, he said, I thought I remember doorways being safer during earthquakes. I did too. And I'm not really sure why they say to avoid doorways, unless it just means exterior doorway. I, I don't know. Anyway, I'll do a little research and we'll see if I can remember to follow up with this on the, the next episode for sure. All right. So that's, that was a longer, I told myself, don't run too long with this stranger than fiction section, Tim, because, uh, don't want to get people bored. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was great. Thanks for sticking with me on this. So here's the next one, guys. This is a new segment that we're going to do on this week in prepping. Something I've wanted to do. You guys know one of my passions is entrepreneurship, side hustles, that sort of thing. This tonight, we're starting a new one and we're going to call it Side Hustle Spotlight. So every time I hear about a good side hustle, something that you guys could make some money at or I could make some money at, I'm going to not, I'm going to jot it down in the electronic notepad and I'll share it with you. I've seen a bunch of good ones. I'm not going to spoil them for now, but this one is one of my favorites and it's actually from a news story. I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but the title is gut squatters. Handyman says he'll move in with them until they leave. And this is a story from outkick.com. But to be honest, this story was everywhere and it's kind of a cool story. So let me share the gist of it. This dude right here, with the backwards hat and the uh, the ginger goatee. Pretty cool guy. His mother, for some reason, ended up having people, I'm going to guess, were living in the apartment or living in her rental property, stopped paying rent, and big surprise, this was in California, folks. And guess what happened? The authorities wouldn't evict them, couldn't get rid of them. They basically had squatters' rights at that point. So the dude starts doing some serious state jiu-jitsu. He takes a bunch of time, he dives into all of the legislation, and he finds out, guess what? My mother has no rights to kick them out, but she can do up a contract with him and say, you are now the tenant, and he gets to move in as well. And guess what? Squatter's rights apply to him as well. So what does he do? He goes in and... As soon as the people go to work, he goes in, he walks in, makes himself a sandwich, sits down on the, uh, you know, living room couch and makes himself comfortable. They come home from work that day and they're like, well, this is weird. And he, or I believe this part, he changed the locks. This is how it works. Sorry. He's, he's okay. He's moved on. He's doing this a lot now. It's become a full-time thing, but for his mother, he changes the locks. They come back. He says, well, I have the paperwork here. I am now a tenant of this place. If you try to break in, I will call the authorities. And he get rid of them. Now, now what he does is he goes in, he sets up cameras. He says, guess what, guys? You're on a reality show. Most people don't like being uh, recorded when they are illegally occupying a property. He said he's done this five or six times, makes really good money. He said two things. Number one, be really good at conflict de-escalation. That was his big thing. And number two, know the law because the folks that are squatting almost always know the law as good or better than you do. So make sure you've done your research. And this guy just goes in, he gets contracts from local property management or local property owners. And he says, write me up as a tenant. I'm going to move in 
And then I have squatters rights as well. And I can make their life miserable. I thought it was friggin' awesome. I'll give you the gist of the story quick says uh, this guy's name is flash, which is an awesome name. He's mastered the art of removing squatters. He says, if somebody needs help, I will go back in March. Shelton ran off squatter to his mother's rental home by simply squatting right back. If they could take a house, then I could take a house. He said, now he's deploying similar methods to aid his clients. I can basically become a tenant and live with them until they choose to leave on their own. I go in, I sit on the couch, I open the fridge and I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, but this is my home now. <laughs> if a squatter refuses to leave or if the law prohibits a landlord from taking action, Shelton says he would sign a lease with the homeowner so he can move into the house. Surprise, a new roommate. The adrenaline kicks in, he says. I just go in. I just try to feel as comfortable as I can and I make it happen. They're not only surprised, they don't know how to react. Said one of Shelton's favorite tricks is to set up ring cameras and tell the squatters they're on a reality TV show. I love it. This is turning around and using the law to your advantage because the dirtbags that are doing this to this guy's mother deserve everything they got. And I'm glad the guy did it. So he founded this, I don't know if it's what it is, but he calls it the United Handyman Association. And he's already provided services to several landlords in California. And he said, if you don't live in the Golden State, don't worry. He does Zoom consultations as well. This dude does not hate money. I love it. I think it's great. So what did he do? He looked at a problem and he found a solution. This is the, this is the free market working in spite of the government's best intentions to screw the little guy. That's what happens. And this was great. I loved it. The guy looked at it. He said, how can I make money? So look at it guys. You know, what are they? Uh, I, the old permaculture principle, the more restrictions, the more elegant elegant the solution is. I think I've misquoted that slightly, but this is what it is. You look at the situation, you look at all the things that are working against you, and then you come up with a solution. And then on top of it, you find a way to make money at it as well. Love it. Absolutely one of my favorite things. So that was the side hustle spotlight for this week. Next, we have one of my favorites, the workshop wasteland. And this is this won't be... A segment every single week, but when there is something, I'm going to talk about it. And this is where we look at post-apocalyptic, dystopian pop culture. We got uh, books, music, movies, the whole works. And this week, two things I want to share with you. Number one, this is just short. I haven't actually watched it yet, but HBO just brought out a new documentary called Time Bomb Y2K. I'm super stoked to watch it. Uh, for whatever stupid reason, I've been patently obsessed with the Y2K bugs since I lived through it. I don't know. I remember I was 96, 97. The chemistry teacher put a newspaper clipping up there about how all the computers were going to fail. This looks pretty interesting. It's just shy of an hour and a half, so it's not super long. The reviews are mixed, but I'm looking forward. It has a lot of really cool Y2K footage. And yeah, they go back and show a lot of the guys that were doom and gloom sayers and that sort of thing. So I'm going to sit down and watch it. But the one that I did spend quite a bit of time on and maybe regret it, I don't know, was this animated show on Netflix called Carol and the End of the World. And it was interesting. Let's put it that way. It definitely... It started out with lots of um, promise. I thought it was going to be an incredible show. And it was definitely, definitely suffered from the 
mindset of Game of Thrones, where it started out like gangbusters and turned out to be, uh, it, it, it thwarted the goodwill it had built with its uh, fan base. Let's put it that way. 10 episodes, I believe, started out really cool. It's just this everyday, average, shy, introverted, antisocial woman, seven months before the world is about to end. And there's nothing they can do about it. There's a giant planet in the sky coming at Earth. And the entire show is basically the premise behind it is, how would you spend your last seven months on Earth? And there's fireworks going off all the time. People are base jumping. People are taking cruises around the world. They're surfing, scuba diving, whatever. They're living their best life. And all Kara wants to do is go to work. Um, there is some, you know, it's it's weird. I don't know how to put it. But this movie, this series on Netflix was, it, it was almost, and I love R-rated stuff. I love adult kind of topics and that sort of thing, but it almost felt tacked on. Her parents were in their 80s. They were nudists. They were in a thruple for who I learned something new, a three-way relationship with their 40-year-old male nurse. It just, it was funny. It was humorous. I don't know. Some of the stuff in it was okay. So I don't want to completely spoil it but I'll, I'll run over my a few thoughts and we'll move on. But if anybody was thinking about watching it, I'll share my thoughts and maybe you'll decide, okay, maybe I do, maybe I don't. But it reminded me of one of my favorite post-apocalyptic or apocalyptic films called Last Night from 1998. If you haven't seen it, it's Canadian. It deals with the exact same thing, except this is the last 24 hours on earth before the sun goes supernova or something. The show had a 90s kind of office workplace sitcom vibe. And the animation reminded me of Duckman. If you haven't seen Duckman, um, well, anyway, Jason Alexander plays a R-rated duck who is horny as all get out. Yeah, I know it sounds like Howard the Duck, but it was maybe worse. The show is never in a rush. It's the type of show that probably wouldn't be made anywhere else other than Netflix because they're going to let the show breathe. It was okay. Her voice reminds me of Aubrey Plaza from Parks and Rec. So if you like her, great. If you don't, well, that'll tell you. Now, what were the positives of this? It was a beautiful, well-fleshed-out world. It was really neat. The, the animation was really cool, and they did a good job of painting this, I don't even know what you, like this post-apocalyptic wasteland, but the world didn't fall apart, but... It did, if that makes sense. You know, when they go to the grocery store, the military's there checking you out. But for the most part, buildings weren't burning down, all of that stuff. So I don't know. It The world was well-built. It was a gorgeously animated. I'll tell you that. She's an anxious, boring woman just looking for normalcy. The entire theme of the, of the show is finding meaning in whatever you want, and mainly finding meaning in the mundane. The name of her workplace is denial <laughs> sorry distraction it's called welcome to distraction and when it comes down to it the entire theme of this show and i was okay with this the theme was distraction because here's the deal you got folks because if we're preppers but we know the world's going to end in seven months where do you go from there it's a really interesting concept that they fleshed out well and they're like okay let's see where 
the world would go. And they did a really, really good job for eight episodes. The theme, like I said, was distraction. And they dealt with everything. They dealt with work. They dealt with sex, travel, extreme sports, creating, sleep, love, accomplishments, relationships. But when it came down to it, the idea behind it was whatever it takes to change your mind away from the end of the world. Basically, how do you get distracted? How do you keep yourself distracted from the coming apocalypse? And for her, for Carol, despite what everybody else said, she just wanted to go to work and she found a workplace. So I hope I didn't spoil anything. And I'm going to I'm going to go into things a little bit here, but I'm not going to spoil it for you. So first eight episodes set up a really good premise. And I'm thinking, OK, they could pay this off. It was it felt artsy. It was um, it's a very slow burn. Uh, Miss Cook, my wife. Rebecca, she did not like it at all. I know she didn't, but she was patient enough to watch it with me. But I didn't subject her to the last two episodes. I watched them in bed. And okay, first eight episodes, set it up. And you're like, okay, if they knock this out of the park, it's going to tell a really well-crafted story from point A to point B. Episode nine completely jumps the shark and is this satirical surfing documentary absolute waste of time. I, I I don't know if they were trying to be random or what, but they basically did what The Last of Us did when they had three episodes left and you're like, how are they going to tell this story? And they said, guess what? Third to final episode is going to be a bottle episode, which basically is a standalone episode using one or two main characters that have very little or nothing to do with the rest of the show. And that's Actually, it was worse what they did in Carol at the end of the world. It really, truly was. Anyway, complete waste of an episode. And then episode 10, the final episode, is basically just a recap episode. They spend 27 minutes recapping what's happened in the first eight episodes. And then the last three minutes is kind of the tacked on ending. So what's my rating? Two out of five. Simple as that. Is it worth watching? No. No, it's not. If you like well-animated, interesting shows with cool concepts, watch the first eight episodes. Or better yet, go into it understanding why. <laughs> go in knowing you're not going to get a payoff to just be entertained. And if you like things like that, um, maybe you will. But I'm giving it two out of five stars. I probably wouldn't waste my time. Off Grid Ping says, jump the shark. Well, that's a new one to me. It's like screwed the pooch, which is really gross when you think about it. I'm going to give you guys a real quick lesson in pop culture history. The term jumps, jumps the shark or a TV show, jump the shark, implies or infers the fact that a show was going along, doing really well, and all of a sudden they decided to do something incredibly stupid to boost ratings. They went off the deep end, so so you would say. Now, where does the term jumps the shark come from? Happy days, when the fawns literally jumps a shark on water skis. So there you go. That's where the term jumps the shark comes from. I hope you enjoyed that little extra piece of funness. So yeah, there you go. And before I forget, we need to thank our sponsor. I decided I'm going to move the sponsors to the middle of the show. I'm not going to tell you this again. Just thought I'd let you know. But I want to uh, I want to kind of smoothen up the, the intro to the show so that it just makes it more palatable for 
newbie. So if you're new here, thanks for coming. But we also have sponsors who pay the bills. And this week, it, it, every Thursday, it's Joel Riles of Fortress Canine. He has the Protection Dog podcast. He's a brother of mine who completely had life pulled out from under him, ended up going to prison for a short period of time, got out and decided, you know what? I'm going to build a business even better than it was before, rebuilt. And if you're looking for the whole, I need a verbal kick to the ass, Joel ain't going to sugarcoat nothing, but he will tell you how it is. He will tell you how to succeed. And if you listen to him, you'll do great things. So check him out, FortressK9.com or the Protection Dog Podcast. If you need to fill those old ear holes with GSD motivation, give him a go. All right, guys, this week in prepping, one of my favorite segments and my buddy, Brian Alexovich from the Lots Project named this one, and it's called I Read It on the Internet. And I like this one. This is a good one. Here it is. So every week I pick an interesting story or an interesting post from Reddit, from our preppers. And if you don't know how Reddit works, you can Google it. But basically, it's they call it the front page of the Internet, or it's this massive kind of message board. So this week, posted by user 9N223, all they said was uncommon prepping items. Description. So I'm curious on what you guys prep that no one else would. I'm just looking for ideas. I like this. There's a lot of really cool things in here, and I thought I would share a few. Uh, Defy Clark said nails. Um, someone else said tools that don't require electricity. And Persian guy said, I went with lots of batteries for my power tools and a small solar array to charge them. Love all those ideas. This one said insulin. That kind of sucks, but they said, how do you deal with the lifespan? Uh, use rotation. Um, this guy said, my daughter is type 1 diabetic. We just rotate vials in the fridge. I'd say we have five to six months supply. It worries me to, to no end. The type of thing that frightens me the most is not being able to protect my kids. And for those who have read one second after, you know kind of where this scenario would end up. But that is a tough scenario. Uh, affectionate isopod said books a lot of shop manuals and how-to books like how to make butter or cheese edible plants medicinal plants uh, and then someone else says better yet how about practice those skills yep not a bad thing someone says the foxfire books uh, another one said i've been toying with the ideas of finding an old encyclopedia this one here okay eggplant said a portable bidet and small cloths for the bathroom not a bad one contraceptives Small single-shot bottles of alcohol, great for bartering in small quantities. Funny you'd say that. One step closer, if you're still in here this evening, a couple of, I don't know, maybe four or five weeks ago, I'm like, I really need to open up my Yeti cooler and make sure it's not dirty inside. And I open it up and realize it's full of soda, pop, and alcohol. And there's like six or eight half pints or Mickey's. I don't know what they were. The, the small bottles, it looks like airplane bottles of vodka that uh, one step closer put in there at the uh, workshop work day. So anyway, <laughs> it made it back to Canada. Yeah, there you go. So interesting. Uh, what else we got? Everybody preps trash, trash bags, but Ziplocs I think are highly underrated. We prep the hell out of Ziploc bags. I use that shit for everything. Love them. Uh, we They're just infinitely reusable well maybe not infinitely but they're great feel good books i like that vehicle repair parts the ability to do laundry i have washboards laundry plunger multiple tubs fells naphtha soap drying rack and a clothesline uh, if you follow brian over on the lots project his wife Corey did a video on how they do laundry off-grid it was great i like this someone else says the three bucket system is easier i haven't looked into it 
Uh, somebody else hoards or sorry, preps or stores or stocks, crutches, auto parts. If your plan involves keeping you home, then I don't think there's anything such as too many books. Not a bad one. Tweezers. Oh my God. Yes. Tweezers and nail clippers. Uh, family therapy. Isn't that interesting? Been mulling this over for a couple of years, watching or dodging dysfunctional family dynamics in my family. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, people who have stuff at their house are used to it. It can be anything from tire repair kits. So yeah, uh, that's, I thought this was a really fun exercise. And, and this is what I like it. I'm not telling you to go join another social media group if you need to, or you want to uh, join the telegram group because it's great. But I love, I, I kind of, you know, when I have a few minutes of downtime, I'll pop into our preppers and see what people have to say. I don't always kind of interact a whole lot, but one step closer says feminine hygiene products. Absolutely. All right. Next segment, This Week in the Workshop. And basically, this is where I kind of cover what's been going on with us, what the, the preps we've been doing, that sort of thing. And speaking of preps, Byron Roberts says, all types of glue, thread, and needles. Yes, not a bad thing at all. So, uh, like I said, I hope you guys had a good uh, break over the holidays. We took 10 days off, which is the first time probably in our entrepreneurial life that we've taken 10 full days off and shut all the businesses down, including my content creation. You know, the, I snuck back here and there, but yeah, anyway, we spent two nights in Lloydminster, which is the city where our new daycare is. We are so close. So the new sign is up at the daycare we bought. Uh, I don't, I haven't talked to Becky yet, but either today or tomorrow, the licensing will be finalized. So that is 100% ours. The sign went up at the new one. Next Monday or Tuesday, they start putting in the fire suppression system or the fire detection system. The plumber comes in to install the dryer vent, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so we're looking at hopefully February 1st. All of them will be ours, open, operating, and making us hopefully uh, lots of cash and building the life we want to live. We're pretty excited. And I know uh, Mrs. Cook can uh, could stand for another break, but she's doing really, really good. Uh, I went up the other day, assembled some furniture, installed some baby gates. I got a chamber vac, guys. I've been eyeing one of them up for a while, and I finally decided, hey, I'm going to pull the uh, old purse strings, and I pick one up. I bought uh, a Viver, and it's one of the smallest ones, but it was it's worked. It I love it. Uh, it works wonderful for all of the freeze-dried stuff that I've been doing. I actually ran out of bags for about two weeks over the holidays, which really sucked because I wasn't prepped. I didn't realize how fast I'd go through them. Excuses, excuses, right? Uh, I freeze-dried leftover Christmas food, which was great. We did potatoes, sweet potatoes, stuffing, which is kind of funny, and some sliced ham. Turned out wonderful. Meatballs were incredible. I had somebody say, hey, I hadn't done meatballs before. Just to let you know, they turned out great. I did five full trays of big, beefy meatballs. I saved one tray. I split half with the dogs and the other half we tested them. I just put them in. I had one uh, Mylar bag that I had to cut open. So I cut it open, put the meatballs in there and just dumped hot water in it. Just like you'd be, you know, field expedient cooking or whatever. They turned out oh, so, so good. I loved them. Just put in five trays of stir fried steak. Becky picked me up a few prepping things for Christmas that you'll see some reviews on. Uh, I think everybody has seen these portable diesel heaters, the really tiny ones. I'm stoked to try that out to see how it works, put it through its paces. 
She got me a small solar kit from Costco, the Leatherman Wave, which I've mentioned, or maybe I haven't. I wanted to, I was looking for one for a while. I love it. I've been wearing it every day. And we're going to do at some point this year, a, an order for Leatherman Waves. They're going to be custom. We don't know exactly what they're going to say, but they're going to be custom workshop Leathermans. So if you're interested, hold up, we'll, we'll let you know. I got a battery powered mug, which is really cool. I can't wait. And my brother-in-law got me a dash cam that I'm stoked to try. I can't wait to put it on and drive down to the States. And you know, what'll happen now is I have the camera on there and I'll never catch anything interesting, but, uh, so I just released another video this week. It was a team you video. I actually was quite surprised with the quality of some of this stuff. I mean, you know, it's not something you get at REI or a camping store or something like that, but for the price, not too shabby. If you haven't checked it out, do me a favor and watch it. So here's an official announcement. I'm going to be appearing at at least three events this spring. Are you ready for it? LFTN Spring Workshop, Self-Reliance Spring, and the Kentucky Sustainable Living Festival. All three I'll be at. I'm going to be down in the States for kind of six to eight weeks. So basically from the middle of March to the middle of May. So if anybody knows of any other festivals that I might be able to uh, um, appear at or speak at, let me know. Or if you just want to do a workshop get together, I'm basically going down to speak at events and work on the property and see folks. So we'll make it work. What's next? This one's kind of cool. If you happen to see the pinned comment this evening, because I've been asked and it's not, okay, it's up there. It's active. This isn't the official launch, but I knew if I mentioned it, I had to put the link, but I now have a Patreon. It's $5 a month, so it's not super expensive. But what are you going to get for $5 a month? Well, you're going to get, and this all came from my conversation with Sean Mills a couple of months ago. You're going to get my in-person interview. So once a month, there's going to be a an interview that you won't see or hear anywhere else. This month, I decided to start big, and it's the Joel Salatin interview. It's up there. It's edited. It looks really nice. I'm quite pleased with how it turned out. So if you want to hear what Joel Salatin had to say in person with me, it's it, well, that is up there. What else is going to be there? You're going to have access to all of, all of my new review videos ad-free. So there's that. And you're also going to get two a month of these videos we're going to do. My daughter and I have been, uh, we've been buying up MREs and we've been going to like the Oriental grocery stores and stuff. So you'll get stuff like, uh, we're going to test a certain flavor of the Canadian MRE. You'll get to see that. Or you'll get to see five prep foods that we bought from the Chinese grocery store. We're going to sit down and test them out. Stuff that won't make it to the YouTube channel, but will be behind the paywall. So for five bucks, it's not bad. It'll all be there. And then I'm also going to do a monthly commentary on the interview as well. So I'll give you some behind the scenes insights, what was going on at the events, that sort of thing. So if you're interested... The only place it is for tonight is just pinned. I'm not actually officially launching it until next week, but the Joel Salton interview by itself is up there. So there you go. Um, and what else do we have? A new segment. And I like that. This is a really good one. This new segment is called Must Be Nice. And it is all about, and we may not do this one every week either, but it's all about killing the poverty mindset. And this is a good one. So let's bring it up here. Give me one moment. And this is, this is, I became a millionaire at age 27. Here are four unpopular rules rich people follow that most don't. And I thought this was great. And it doesn't, it's not just 
about rich people. It's just about getting your mind right. And it doesn't mean that this stuff happens overnight because you guys know Becky and I's story, where we came from, how absolutely broke as a joke we were and how we absolutely lived in the poverty mindset. And thank you, Byron Roberts. I really appreciate you, brother. So this one here, this, uh, this lady said, I wasn't always good with money. I had to learn how to be. I grew up in an immigrant Chinese home with two very loving frugal parents who are clipping coupons. By observing and learning their habits, I made my first million by age 27. Here are four unpopular rules that rich folk follow. And I like this. Rich people put most of their spending power into buying assets. Instead of buying, for example, a Lamborghini that loses a third of its value as you drive it off the lot, a truly rich person will take that same chunk of change and buy a two-family duplex and rent it out. Love it. And I'll bet you, I would love to hear, I got to get, uh, so John Pugliano from Investable Wealth, good buddy of mine, I'm sure he would agree with these. And uh, I actually have a, an incredible half hour interview with him that'll be in the Patreon as the months go on as well. But yeah, so they buy assets that make money as opposed to cost money. And this is the one, this is the reason I wanted to share this. Uh, and this came from CNBC of all places. Have an abundance mindset, folks. An abundance mindset. So many people have a scarcity mindset, a constant feeling that we're never going to have enough money, that we're one slip up away from disaster and we'd have to hoard every last cent. <clears throat> Excuse me. The problem with this mindset is that it can make people very competitive with other folks in financial, in similar situations. Rich people have an abundance mindset. Since they know they're going to be able to take care of their bills, they're not worried. This gives them the freedom to decide what they want to do with their time rather than only focusing on what they need to do to survive. And that is $5 USD. I apologize for my Canuck friends. I, It is what it is. $5 US is kind of the going rate. And when you go on there, it's going to say $7.50 for Canadian. <laughs> Jeff says, great deal. Appreciate you, brother. All right, number three, think long-term. Rich people understand that sometimes things take time. A rich person has no problem, for example, socking away money in a retirement account. But they know that just because they can't spend the money now, it's not like it's disappeared. It's actually the opposite. The longer they wait, the more money they get. Love it. Share, swap, and scratch each other's back. And this one, when I read this article, I thought, yeah, this is why I need to share this with you folks. Tonight, rich people love being known as the smartest person in their friend group. Now, that sounds full of themselves, but follow me with this. Uh, the one with the best taste, the one who's on top of all the trends. You'll often hear them say, I have a great tax person. You should work with them. Hear that? I found the best cocktail bar. You have to try the martini. I joined the best country club, and I'll sponsor you to join as well. They recognize that when they're open about their knowledge, other people will be more inclined to share what they know. Their thought process is, I'm not qualified for this job, but my friend is, and once she gets it, she'll owe me a solid. Then as soon as she's in a leadership position, I'm automatically tapped into that in the whole network. In other words, they love to talk about the awesome things they found, but they love to share it. They don't hoard anything to themselves, and I really like that mindset. Now, could you find examples of folks who would be considered rich who don't do this shit? Absolutely you could. So remember that, but... When it comes down to it, you could honestly replace rich person with abundance mindset person in this article. Either way, it works great. All right. Next, we have the creator spotlight. This is a fun one. This is a different one. I've always done YouTube this week. <laughs> it's a funny one. It's a Southern mom and her son, and it's called Josh and Mama. And it's a great 
YouTube channel. And I found them. Uh, Becky sent me a reaction video of a guy reacting to her videos. Now, take it with a grain of salt. But this woman basically puts together an entire Thanksgiving dinner, an entire Christmas dinner out of canned food. Now, I wouldn't recommend doing that all the time, but watching this, number one, they're hugely entertaining. And number two, you get some ideas that you don't necessarily think about. So this one here is all prep for Thanksgiving and it's Josh and Mama on TikTok. So some of these are, I, I like to be entertained. You know, they say things need to inform, inspire, and entertain. And this one definitely informs and entertains. So maybe even inspire me to try something, but yeah. So open yourself up to some different horizons watch some of this. If you're looking for it, check these guys out. I'm sure they're on YouTube as well, but just the fact that she basically does everything, it it would be American cooking. You know, I say American, I mean like modern North American cooking that they would have grown up doing. You know, she puts, I've never seen it before, but if you can see in the background right there, it is Chef Boyardee macaroni and cheese in a can. She puts it into one of these tinfoil trays and then lays processed cheddar slices on top of it interesting but if you're looking for entertainment and maybe some inspiration check out josh and mama on tiktok all right and finally is the community nail bag and you're like tim did you just say nail bag well yeah but it's actually the mail bag but we're going to reach into the nail bag and we're going to find out what kind of mail's in there and there wasn't a whole lot this week but this one was from uh, a comment on the last this week in prepping we did it was from dave 4106 and he said, if you're looking for a good video game, The Long Dark is a great one. Stuck on a freezing, abandoned Canadian island. I thought they were going to say province. I was like, huh, all right. Cross Mist with, oh, Cross Mist with a first-person shooter in a quiet apocalypse. I don't make time for video games a whole lot. I sometimes wish I could, but I don't. But if somebody's out there looking for a good recommendation on an apocalyptic video game, the Long Dark sounds like a good one. I love it when you guys share things like this. And I didn't have, tonight I didn't include the Cookbook of the Collapse. So two things. Number one, I'm looking for simple recipes that you can make from your preps from the community. So send them my way. But tonight I had planned on putting my baked beans recipe in here. And I sat down 10 minutes before the show and realized I didn't do it. So I will have that in next week's This Week in Prepping for you. And for the record, if I didn't tell you this already, going forward, Thursdays are going to be this week in prepping all the time. They are becoming hugely popular. I love putting them together for you. So Thursdays are going to be this week in prepping. Sundays are going to be my interview slash roundtable episodes. And then Friday typically will be the catch-all episode that could be, um, well, one week it's going to be the post-apocalypse book club. Another night it'll be Becky and I do in a live stream. And then if I have a topic I want to cover that I don't, uh, that I'm doesn't fit into Thursday or Sunday, then we'll do it on the Friday night episode. So that's what we're going to have. Three episodes a week going forward, except this Sunday, Chris Dixon and I, uh, Chris and a couple of his relatives and me, my son, my son-in-law, let me see, me, my brother-in-law, my son, my son-in-law and my son's roommate are all going down to Red Deer again to make another knife. It's going to be a really good experience. We're going down Saturday night, spending the day, and I won't be home till late Sunday night. So there won't be an, uh, a live episode that night, but there will be something uh, Memorex. And for those who are younger than me, what's Memorex? Google it. 
All right. And the final comment uh, from the community nail bag this week was from Jimmy. And this was on YouTube. <laughs> and I don't know. I got to share this with you. I think you'll love it. And it came out of the, I, I did a video for the Harbor Freight solar panel, a little seven watt one that was an absolute piece of shit. Thing didn't work at all. And this guy said, I'll tell you what solved that problem. A diesel generator strapped to the roof of my car solved it. But just make sure you put the cap back on once you fill it up. Because I had diesel fuel slosh all over my roof and then the hood and the whole car caught on fire down the interstate. It worked for a little while. I'm looking for a new car now. One way to start one way to start off the new year. <laughs> so there you go. I thought that was a fun comment. I'm not sure if it's legit or not. I'm not calling the guy a liar. Maybe it was a real story, but a diesel generator on the roof of your vehicle. Holy cow. So yeah. So I hope you guys enjoyed this. I love, I know we run through a lot, but I want this to be an episode that absolutely informs, entertains, and inspires and keeps everyone's attention from start to finish. Hopefully there's something in here for everybody. If you have a suggestion for another topic or uh, another segment that we can do in here, what's kind of cool is I've got so many segments that I can kind of mix and match. And if I don't have something for one, one week, then I got it for another and it makes prep really nice. It makes it organized and easy to take, you know, keep account of. So there's that. And yeah. So like I said, going forward, there'll be something tomorrow night, a show. Um, there's not going to be a live show Sunday night. I know just come back from vacation, Tim, but I apologize for what it is. There'll be a pre-recorded of some sort there for you. So going forward, what do we got? Um, yeah. Don't forget about the Patreon. It's not it's not official yet. It is official, but it's not official. I haven't launched it. It won't be on social. You guys are the only ones that have found out about it. The link right now is only in the pinned chat on YouTube. So there's that. So yeah, folks, like I said, I hope you had a great time. It's great to be back in the full swing of things. I love doing the show. I love seeing you. I love chatting with you. And thanks for taking the time. I think we hit 22 live viewers tonight, which was great. I love it. Awesome. And uh, one other thing, don't forget, thanks, Byron. Byron already joined. I appreciate you, brother. And don't forget to support uh, my neighbor up the road in Tennessee, Off Grid Ping. He shared it. I put it on my community tab on the YouTube channel, but he is trying out for Homestead Apprentice. I've never seen a dude work so hard on a chainsaw in my life. The dude is a worker. So anyway, with that, I got to go show a rental tonight in a few minutes. So it's actually one of ours, which is great because we make way more money on ours than we do looking after them from other folks. So anyway, guys, keep the suggestions coming. Send me some cookbook, the clap suggestions. And as always, stay happy, stay healthy and have a great week. <laughs>